Well, to, uh, tonight I'm going to do a bit of philosophy, which, um, which I really love and, and uh, no one else does. So uh, hang in there with me because it's significant from our first reading. And what I'm going to talk about, remember this, Ed, because this is going to be good for Friday night when you're talking with all the guys. What I'm going to talk about is called theological anthropology. So remember that, write it down, because it'll impress somebody. It probably doesn't impress you at all. Now, what does that mean? It's not hard. Basically, what does, what does uh, divine revelation say about the creation of man and woman? What, when we look at the human person through the eyes of God, through the scriptures, and through revelation, what does that tell us about the human person? Okay, that's what I'm going to talk about. So we have this, this first reading from Genesis. It's one of the two creation narratives. And whenever we go back to the beginning of Genesis, what we have to remember is that the, you know, the, the particulars are not necessarily true in their detail. But the truth is being conveyed through the story, okay? So, you know, whenever you, you know, read about the, the Genesis accounts, the first 11 chapters, there are all these questions. Well, how did this happen? And how did that happen? And where did the other people come from? And how did this... What we have to remember is that what's being conveyed to us is truth about how God created, and it's being conveyed in a story that could be passed on from generation to generation. And so the, the details or particulars are not nearly as important as the general truth that is being conveyed. So when we look at the creation of Adam, God takes stuff, physical matter, right, clay. He forms him from the clay, stuff. And then he breathes into him his spirit. So what we find then, what, what do we take from that? It's not about the clay. It's about the stuff and the spirit. That God creates the human person as a composite of body and soul. That's what we understand. So whenever we say, let's use that again, since he's a willing participant, we'll use that again. So if we say, well, who are you to Ed? He would say, well, I'm Ed. And we say, well, what are you? Ed would say, well, I'm a human being. And we say, well, what's a human being? And the right answer would be a human being is, is a composite of both body and soul, the soul being created by God, and the procreators of the body being the husband and wife. They assist in creation. So the human person is both body and soul. This isn't new to you. This is what's being conveyed to us in Genesis, that God creates Adam with intention, both physically and spiritually. He's both matter and spirit. And then, poor Adam's alone. You know, and so God makes him some animals. You know, I've got a puppy, you know. And the puppy's okay. And I'm sure Ad Adam had a puppy, you know. And Adam was like, yeah, the puppy's okay. But when he saw Eve, it sounds like he went, well, this is different. This is much better than a puppy. You know, 
Eve is like me, not like the animals. She's like me. She's created, he probably couldn't have put it all together, but we understand that this spirit that is breathed into Adam and Eve is the image and likeness of God. She's created in the image and likeness of God just like he is. And not only that, but he can give himself to her and she can give himself to him in a very special way that is both physical and spiritual. God intended it to be this way. This is what we take from divine revelation. It's clear, it's unmistakable, that God intended human beings to couple together as man and woman so that they could, through their complementarity, not through their sameness, through their complementarity and their distinctiveness, come together and form one flesh union. And this says something about the human person. This obviously says something about human sexuality. This says something about how God creates and what he intends. Okay. Now, this was the understanding of the human person for centuries and centuries and centuries until we get to about 1700. And you know what happened around 1700 was the Enlightenment. And in your mind, you should be saying, boo, that wasn't so good. Well, some of it was good, but there's an aspect of it, a few aspects of it that were not so good. And one of the aspects of it that were not so good was that thinkers said, you know what? All of this God stuff, this revelation is getting in our way. It's bogging us down. We wanna start with a blank slate, just reason alone. And so we're going to you know, rethink all of these other things that we had been thinking for thousands of years. You know, and, and we're now gonna just use our reason because our reason is so perfect. We're just gonna use our reason and not God, anything he said. And we're gonna determine the nature of man and the nature of human sexuality and the nature of morality and the nature of government and the nature of all these things just through our reason. Okay, and so what happens is you get this division now, this fracturing between the human person and any kind of design, you know, that God created us with an intention, that God intended us to be as we are, that God who revealed, you know, to us that marriage is between a man and a woman, that the human person, not just spiritually, but also physically was intended by God, that in his essence, physically and spiritually, is his nature, is who he is, who and what he is. That it's not determined by the man or the woman, but it's determined by God. So now you get to the enlightenment, okay? And man says, well, we can figure this out on our own because we're sick of the church and we're sick of God. And, you know, we're pretty proud about our, the efforts of human reason. So. They jettison all of this other stuff. And they say, no longer does nature tell us anything about the human person. No longer does the physical stuff tell us anything about the human person. Because we have rationality. We can determine all these things for ourselves through, through our own unaided efforts of the mind and reason. And what happens 
is over the last 300 years, right? The understanding of the human person becomes more and more fractured. The, the understanding of human sexuality becomes more and more fractured from its original source and intent as designed by God. And so as the human person is merely just rationality, is just spirit and not also phys you know, physical reality, the body no longer gives data about who or what the human person is. Right? So the mind can just create for itself and determine for itself things like human sexuality and what to do with it. And so you begin to see through the early part of the 20th century and into the latter part of the 20th century, a collapse, a collapse of this understanding, this traditional understanding of the human person and sexuality. Now what happens even further on from that as we move away from what's called modernity into what's called post-modernity, is people say, you know what? We don't have as much confidence in reason anymore. We used to have confidence in reason, but I'm not so sure about any other kind of authority of reason outside of myself. I can't trust anyone else. So I'm just going to trust myself and my own reason, says the postmodern person. So I will, for myself, determine reality. I'll determine what it means to be a human person. I'll determine for myself what gender is, what sexuality is. And even though, and so this leads to modern gender theory and all kinds of things that of course are being you know, taught in, in universities, et cetera now, which is where you have a person who you know, looks like a man, and has all the parts of a man, and has the DNA of a man, but then says, I don't have to have any reference to the physical nature because I am my own mind. And you have this cleavage, this separation between the mind and the body. And the person says, I will determine for myself what I am because all I am is really my mind. My body gives no reference to me of what I am. And so this is where you have very confusing for a lot of people. You have very confusing statements about, you know, people saying seemingly a man and saying I'm actually a woman, but I'm in a man's body with a man's DNA. Or you have confusion about gender roles or sexuality issues, etc. because Man has reduced himself to merely his mind. And not only merely his mind, but also he has reduced himself to being uncreated without any intentionality. So God did not design me in any particular way. And my physiology says nothing about who or what I am. The only reference that I need to have is my own reason determining reality and myself. That's all I need. And what you ultimately have then is a com complete collapse of any true understanding of the human person or human nature. In truth, you really have, well, I won't go into it completely, but what you have is you have an incredible amount of confusion about what it even means to be human. And that's what exists there today. Now, the reason I set all of this up for you is because it's important as Catholics that we have some sort of understanding of where do we get all this? 
Because these days, if we were to go out and say, well, even in our own church sometimes, but if, if we were to say, you know, I believe that marriage is between one man and one woman only. That's it. The traditional definition of marriage. Well, people will say, well, you're a bigot. You're homophobic. You're any number of things. That's hate speech. But it's not. It's disagreement. Philosophical disagreement about the nature of the human person. And it's okay to have disagreements. It's okay for Christians, for Catholics to say, you know what? We believe in divine revelation. We believe that God created with intention and with design. And that he even told us about that. That he had certain directives about how we are to behave and act. And these speak to the nature of the human person and the nature of marriage and the nature of human sexuality. And the fact that I disagree with you who believe that you can construct every kind of morality merely from your own mind doesn't make me phobic in any way and it doesn't make me hateful in any way. It just means I disagree. I believe in a God who has revealed truth and I trust him more than I trust your mind. And that's okay. Now, as a corollary to this, and it should, it should go without saying, um, that as, as Christians, as Catholics, we should never run from what we believe to be the truth. But at the same time, we should always remember that truth without charity and mercy is meaningless. It is of no use. Christ spoke of this how many times? And he was more than willing. In fact, he desired to spend his time with all of the bad people, you know, the people who, who were considered bad or sinful people. And no doubt, he didn't shy from the truth. But what, we, what he was interested in mostly was people, was, was helping people to understand that Christianity was about love. And it was about acceptance. It was also about truth. It is about truth. But speaking the truth into another human person's heart without them thinking we love them and care about them is without really any value. And so, of course, every human person should first have their dignity revered by us, even if they do not revere it themselves, no matter what their situation. They deserve our love. In fact, the gospel demands that we give them our love. And perhaps there are certain times, like tonight, but you know, perhaps there are certain times or certain opportunities that you may find yourself in a situation where you could say, well, okay, well, let's talk about that issue. This is what I think. This is what I believe. This is the philosophy that I follow. It does no harm to you that I believe that because I care about you. Because the charity that I have extends to you, and the truth that I share with you does not vitiate that charity, does not make that go away in any way at all. But at the same time, brothers and sisters, we cannot shirk our duty at times to profess what is true, even though we might be labeled in a way that we do not like. The truth is the truth, and God has spoken, and it is clear. Let us not be afraid of that truth. Please stand.